Hey, it's Penn. I'd like to thank shows like Force Majeure for providing such great examples of dealing with the Force in more mystical fashions. And I'd like to give a shout out to our patron backers who help us out with the day-to-day financing of the things that are going on, some of which are going to be pretty interesting coming up in the new year. <laughs> I want to give a shout out to Samuel, our latest backer at Patreon, and you can be like them at patreon.com slash way. Thank you, and now on to the show. Okay, we set, swing around to the outside. We should be able to corral this next to... Yeah, okay, catnip grenade. This is going to settle our debt with a gutter just fine. This better settle our debt. These catnip grenades are not cheap, and I don't use them lightly. Okay, we go on the count of three. One, two, welcome to a heart-racing tale from the Hydean Way, where your hosts, Risa D. And Ben Yendel. I was posed a question by a GMing friend who asked us if we could talk about something, which is, how do you pull everyone back into your session? after a long hiatus, or even after just like one week to the next? How do you get everyone back in to what's been going on without just rattling off your notes from the last session for like five minutes? (laughs) Uh, Yes. Which, fair enough, I have done. And I have also lost people's attention very quickly while doing that. Uh, That's a trick with any sort of recap. It's got to be quick. Last week on... (laughs) That's it. That's exactly (laughs) it. It sounds silly, but it works so very easy. It kind of seems silly, but it works. Uh, Like, last week on Heroes of the Hydean Way, the heroes were able to defeat two wounded Savrips as they menace some scavengers in the wilds of Ord Mantel, with our session last time fading out as Ilan and Barrowin go chasing after a repulsor vehicle uh, sliding down a slope. It's sort of to get the idea of what the broad strokes are. Yeah. In general, you've got like one or two big scenes per session, or maybe you've got like four or five. But like you can mention what the scene is and like a noticeable a notable thing from the scene. Yeah. As opposed to like all the different notes, the different checks that go in. I feel like what you really need to get across to them is the big plot point of what happened as well as what everyone was driving towards at the end of the session. Ooh, good point, good point. To pick up the momentum, because sometimes it's so hard to pick up the momentum on a new session. Like, everyone is just there, and it's, okay, so this is what happened. So what are we doing? Mm -hmm. Whereas if you bring it up with, and you guys were about to go to meet up with the cult leader, right? Right. That is what was happening at the time where you were going. That's the motion forward. So it gives them an idea of where to go so it doesn't just start at a standstill because that's really hard at the beginning of a session. But what I was doing for a while, because with my urban fantasy one I was doing, at the beginning, I would start last week on Never Still. (laughs) And I would do a full... If you've seen Supernatural, the beginning of each Supernatural episode is like a recap. And it's very specific in the way it's done. It's a very specific style. 
And I can't really explain it other than just like it's random quotes as well. And I was doing mm. that. And then I, we would start singing Carry On My Wayward Son because that's what happens at the end of the, <laughs> of the <laughs> recap in Supernatural. So uh, that was just like a, a gimmick we were doing and everyone got into it. So I just kept doing it. <laughs> it's good to have sort of table traditions like that. For my Thursday night group, we do essentially story time because someone does keep notes, but they don't keep hyper detailed notes. They may actually keep the hyper detailed notes, but they don't share those. They just put in on Obsidian Portal a like two, three paragraph thing of this is what happened. And kind of like what you were talking about, a not exactly scattershot, but very brief of what's there. Some of the things that came up, like at quotes that were very meaningful. And it's like trying to get people to remember those things because it's the emotion that you're trying to evoke as opposed to the actual memory. Yeah. My Thursday night group does it on Obsidian Portal. There's the other five of us just reading away as they're reading it aloud. And as that goes in, then it's, okay, this is what we're doing now. Or I'll pose a scene because, I mean, I'm always a GM. <laughs> They'll finish their readout and then, all right, so we are doing this. Or, all right, this is what your characters are seeing as we are waiting for the character's aunt that we were trying to track down because this guy disappeared. It was a weird android thing. <laughs> they had just taken capture a combat drone that had been doing patrolling. They were on the run from. Because of course, as you do. Well, there's, what is it? Clones, a bioroid, a loony, and a gene mod. Hmm, nice. For a party. I mean, the closest to a standard human they've got is the loony. <laughs> Finally got the soldier clone to be a soldier and use uh, one of those Crystal Blade Katana things. <laughs> it sounds fun. <laughs> well, for a player who never gets to play combat characters, arranging for her to be able to do a combat scenario, she did about two-thirds of the damage on two Nemesis characters. <laughs> nice. I'm the kind of person who picks up all the decks. One was like a nemesis mercenary, and the other one was a Yakuza samurai assassin. So takes out the mercenary one that's got silly high soak and just pretty much cleaves them into like two or three pieces. Because it wasn't like one. Anyway. Uh, and then it gets into a katana duel with the assassin. It was really surprising. And then someone runs in and finishes it off with a combat knife. <laughs> with like five successes oh my god yeah they've got like a brawn of two it's a combat knife and they get like four or five successes getting the exact number of wounds it was stunning there should have been a one-liner was there a one-liner oh yes there was Perfect. so many one-liners it was great i love that <laughs> I love when my players come up with one-liners, like they they do the success or they make a crit on like a minion or something, and then they just say like a one-liner they obviously have planned to say at some point. I love that; it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. It really is. And circling back to our topic of today, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> well, no. Using exactly what you said though is we now have one-liners that we can then use as memory triggers. So yeah. that the players at the table can remember, oh, yeah, they did something really, really cool. It's trying to facilitate the memory of what did we do this time? It's almost like a drunk history in some ways. 
Yeah. A lot of my players will live tweet our sessions. So that is like, that's another thing we do (laughs) because that's everyone putting their own spin on what, how they were seeing how things happened. So it's really fun. I'll go back through their live tweet thread and I'll write stuff down so that I'm getting from everyone's. And then you were doing this and then you were doing that. And then this happened. And because people will only live tweet about the important stuff or saying things like, yes. And then I shoved the chicken under my jacket. You know, there's that too. (laughs) I mean, what else are you going to do with the chicken? Eat it? Very true. (laughs) The other really handy part to being able to use a live tweet like that is you get what matters to the players in their own spin. Like, if one of the characters does something really good, but either in character or how it goes, someone is a little snarky about it, you are then able to sort of pull that semi-still character bit into the recap. Or at least I've been fortunate enough to see that. Yeah, it's fun. Especially, I I love seeing what players remember as well. Yes. Because it's like, okay, let's look at a random person at the table. Can you tell us what happened last time? (laughs) And then I still have my notes or whatever. Oh, yeah. It's it's fun that way because, first of all, it means everyone's going to start paying attention more during the sessions. Because if there's going to be a maybe quiz, basically, at the beginning of the <laughs> session, then you're going to start remembering things more. Because I, th- I feel like what happens a lot is that the GM is doing all the planning. Everyone shows up, does their thing, goes away, and then their brain is turned off to the campaign. But the GM has to then write everything down and remember what was happening from session to session. And I feel like there should be some accountability here with our players. They should also have to try to remember. It shouldn't just be on us to remember everything that happened. Because I mean, I mean, like, I'm not saying that we shouldn't remember. I'm just saying that it should be a group effort. And by it being a group effort, everyone will remember something different. Yeah. Like you as a GM are going to remember, this is what they did to my carefully crafted plot. (laughs) Yeah. That is a very valid position to have and very valid vision to have. That being said, also having the vision of what the droid tech Gand is thinking about what went on last time. Of why did we just have a firefight in a booth? What? <laughs> why? Has Gand successfully been able to get a catchphrase going? <laughs> I mean, Gands are weird. What can I say? Yeah. <laughs> but that's why they're so fun. Everyone's got to remember what the heck's gone on. And in doing that, like trying to figure out the emotion to it, trying to get uh, pivotal scenes or moments within scenes to jog people's memory. An example of memory jogging that I would sort of bring up is how would you try and get someone to remember the tractor beam scene in A New Hope? The scene where Obi-Wan is off with those two stormtroopers that he's slipping past to turn off the tractor beam so the Millennium Falcon can leave the first Death Star. How would I do that to jog everyone's memory? Yeah. If my player is Obi-Wan, <laughs> okay, yeah. I would totally be like, ah, yes. And then player A, Obi-Wan, did some incredibly uh, immoral uh, <laughs> mind, what would I call, not mind wiping, but basically <laughs> some, you know, gained a lot of conflict doing that to be able to go and turn off the tractor beam. And I feel like that would bring up because I would totally, I, if, if that was my player, I, that would be conflict right there. 
once you get in people's brains and start telling them things are different than other times, then I think that's immediately conflict. But that's neither here nor there. At least not at the moment. Yeah, true. But I feel like it's important to bring up a character beat. So if I gave them conflict for that, then they will remember that because they probably argued with me over it. So if I bring that up, they will now be thinking about that situation in which I gave them that conflict. Uh, unfair. <laughs> so much of getting the momentum started is like the recap is to set everyone's foot on the same piece of ground. We know where we are and we may have an idea of which direction we're pointed. At the end of the last session, we had just landed on the, the sanctuary moon of Yavin and delivered the plans to the rebels after rescuing Princess Leia and blowing up four TIE fighters. Pretty sure that's episode 11 of the radio play? Whatever. <laughs> okay, so we've got that, and there's an implied, well, what do we do next? Well, we analyze the plans, or we try and get our payment for delivering the princess, depending on which part of the crew you're on, or trying to organize a fight against the Death Star, or walk around as a shattered shell. I've got no idea how the heck Leia keeps going. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> really? Comforting Luke about Obi-Wan when she's just had her entire planet destroyed. <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 70s. Pretty much. <laughs> At least for me, we've got a recap down that people are somewhat engaged with then at least for me as a gm it's how do i get the players moving within the scene or moving in a scene so that the players are doing something within the scene so that they have to start thinking as their characters and not just oh yeah that was a really cool thing we did last week yeah i think the important thing to do as the gm is when you've done your recap and you're starting the session is to start them in meteor res. Yes. Start them in the middle of a scene. Because if you say, okay, and this is what happened, what do you guys want to do? That's just like a complete standstill. And trying to get anything started from that is going to be really difficult. Because it's like you just threw them into their character and you expect them to immediately, like, they have to come up with something to do. Whereas if I am saying what happened, right, and now right. they've they've flown to Yavin, right, I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, so you are in the middle of a general meeting. Everyone is discussing what plans they should and shouldn't do, what how they should come to attack this, what the plan of attack is, and you guys are sitting there in the front row, and this is what's happening. So I've dropped them in. We are in the middle of this meeting. And now I can just start speaking as an NPC and getting that going. Because that's like a, a the last session ended and then there was like a screen wipe and that's what between sessions was. So now we're in the middle of a next scene. Because scenes in movies and in books and stuff like that never start from nothing. And there's a good reason for that. It's because to keep a story going, you can't just keep stopping and starting and stopping and starting. Like you can get slow and fast, but you never stop. Yeah. Because once you do, chances are whatever it is, you're turning around and going away. You can start seeing it with more recent uh, TV shows where they may have a really painfully slow episode. But if you're binging, you don't notice it as much because you're right on to the next one, which is now hyper fast. I think a good way to put it, 
at least for me in my brain, is that you don't want to start on an empty stage, like in a play. When the lights come up, if the stage is empty, the audience doesn't know what's going on and it's incredibly difficult to get the play going. But if you the lights come up and there are people on stage, then the audience is going to be engaged already. Exactly. Same with like in a movie. You don't just go from, ah, yes, an empty room. We don't know what's happening at all. And then someone walks in. I mean, it does happen, but it's not very good. Well, <laughs> or it's done in a setting where the setting is something in, in itself, right? So the setting, you're looking around and everything is a huge mess. And there's a bunch of character just in the setting itself. And then someone, yes. you know, pokes their head out from under a pile of books or something, you know? Exactly. Like anytime you're showing just the environment, there has to be something going on with the environment. There has to be something interesting with the environment. Otherwise, why are you showing it? Even the fabled gun of Chekhov, <laughs> you're showing it for a reason. To make sure that someone understands that, yeah, there's a gun in the room and it's going to be going off. Yeah. Or a complaint with horror is, don't tease a monster unless you're actually going to deal with the monster. Yeah, I think that's that's a good, just good advice in general, is if you're introducing things into your game, make sure they matter. Or they're in-jokes, you know, whichever. Both of those keep the players engaged. <laughs> I would argue that in-jokes matter. They do, that's true. <laughs> That's completely true. Yeah, humor is such a huge thing, and if everyone's able to be on it, little detours aren't bad. I, honestly, I I love including in-jokes with my games because <laughs> I like making my friends laugh. And I obviously, when I'm GMing, I, I just have a captive audience for my stand-up for the next two to three hours. So <laughs> if I can get at least a chuckle out of them. What's great is when you say something and everyone has to stop for like several minutes because everyone's just laughing so hard they're crying, mm -hmm. which is what I aspire to every session. Okay. When you're starting off on Medias Res, one of the things that I've started to do, like as an example, is starting with essentially following the camera in at the start of an episode, kind of doing the environmental scan of, well, this is interesting, or there's this guy who's crumpled over the front dash of a hover truck with really scraggly hair as the camera pans in through this van coming across a gand that's laying on the back with a pentorin huddled over them, stabbing them with stim packs. Yeah, that's engaging. It draws a picture and it helps the players know what's happening. Action is so very important. When I'm starting in Meteorize, I also like to describe the environment it goes from environment to action so okay. that they know where they are and what's happening because those are both important context clues to what they should be doing and to what's important to you. So what's important to the story, because I'm not going to just start describing the potted plants unless that's important to the plot. But I have my group, which I planned this and it never happened yet. Maybe we'll get back <laughs> together. Who knows? But they left off on being invited to a party and saying they were going to go. So my plan for the next session was, you are in a dimly lit nightclub. The music is pounding. The lights, there are some strobe lights, some laser show, and thick fake fog as there are waitresses walking by taking drinks away. You are all standing at the bar and you're looking for your contact. 
And then I was, you know, I don't remember what I had after that, but I remember very vividly what was going on there. <laughs> yeah. It was going to be fun. There was going to be go-go music. You know, I was all for it. And draws a picture in my head of, okay, well, now I've got an idea of the sort of intended world that's there. So how would my character act within it? Yeah, I would have hoped. I can't remember any of the names of anything, but it was also going to be a conversation of an NPC talking to them. So, because I like doing that. I like starting it off with, I'm starting it, because it's like improv. If you're going to be the one trying to take control of the situation, you have to give something to your partner, right? You have to give something for them to play off of. Otherwise, it's like, okay, let's play a game. You start. (laughs) And that there is so crucial to it. Having the action, giving the action of, well, this is what's going on. I run into this a lot with heroes is if we're splitting combat between episodes, sometimes I'm lucky and the combat starts in the first episode we're recording and continues on to the second episode of the <laughs> recording. In that case, we've got like 10 minutes between a round. No one's forgotten what the heck's up. In worst case, <laughs> I have four weeks in between recordings on account of different things going on. So that then turns into a small nightmare of, Oh, geez, I really hope that the players go first, go second, take a look at the turn order because we save it. And, oh, shoot, no, the players go first. Oh, no. If that's the case, I'll replay the last NPC round of what's going on there as the start. definitely. Essentially doing that as the recap. It's like at the end of an episode of something, I'm immediately thinking of Buffy, end of season six. Very end of the episode, Tara gets shot. And you see that happen. Yeah. And then the next episode starts with seeing that again. And then you're in the scene. So it's like that replay of a couple, even if it's just like a couple seconds in like in universe as the GM, then you can say, remember, you, you can remember what happened and you can say, and the stormtrooper, you are in this area, you are in a firefight explaining what it is, you've just shot at the stormtrooper. The stormtrooper takes a shot back at you, misses, and hits a steam vent. So the entire room is filled with steam. As you remember, you have a minion group here at short range and a minion group with only two left at medium range. And then it's like, oh, I don't remember. But that helps. Yeah. That at least helps with, I've just told you what just happened, what's the current environment, and now the turn order. Yeah, all of that helps. And trying to essentially, yeah, recreate what the last NPC did. It allows for a little bit of, okay, well, this person just did something, I can then react to it. Or depending on how many of them there are, like uh, I like doing the last, uh, say, the Stormtrooper group that went. But if there's any major NPCs that are there, like a Stormtrooper sergeant or an army captain, because, well, those are scary. <laughs> they really are. Free actions. Scary. Like, they're scary f- for me as a GM, let alone as players. Like, the Imperial captain yells out for the Stormtrooper squad to draw ranks and to fire at the hulking droid. They get into a ragged line and start shooting at the modified B2 super battle droid, causing damage to their golden coat. <laughs> And then reminding the player of the battle droid that, yeah, that's 
something that shall now be visited upon these stormtroopers in such a bodily fashion. <laughs> but then also pointing out that, yes, there is a major NPC here that needs to be taken care of. Yeah. In some ways, doing social scenes or even search scenes are easier than combat scenes to come back to. Yeah, combat is really hard to just pick up again. It really is. Because... <sighs> And it's the part of the game that goes on the longest. So yeah. you're very likely to either stop in the middle of one or right after some uh, a structured combat encounter. I mean, the amount of times that it's just been like, okay, and now it's been like 20 minutes. We need to stop. <laughs> We've gone 20 minutes longer than we should. Yeah. We scheduled for running three hours. We're currently at 3.30. And, uh. So that's just when you're most likely going to be taking a pause. And so I think it's very important is right then, while you guys are ending the session, as the GM, write down what just happened, what round just happened, and what that meant for the story or for the encounter. Yeah. Because that's what you're going to have to revisit when everyone gets back. <laughs> yeah, that's got to be the basis of your recap. Yeah. Taking into account the other thing that you said, of starting the characters on media res is if we're stopping at a particular point, starting them a little bit into the next scene is a good idea. Okay, yeah. we just finished taking out these stormtroopers from the army captain that I keep shoving in there. We're stealing their command cylinder. So now it's a scene where the face type character is trying to impersonate an imperial officer to get access to the garrison you start off with the NPC standing guard there. I'm sorry, sir, I didn't recognize you. Please come in. <laughs> As they then click their heels, snap a salute, and hold the door open for the party as they get in through the front door. <laughs> then it's free for all for what the players are wanting to do, but they now are in past the sort of start of they've been shoved out the door, essentially. Yeah, instead, you've given them a foot in the door. A, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it gives them that movement, which yeah. is just what we've been saying for the last 30 minutes. It's, it's the most important part of starting everyone back up in a session. It just it is. really is. Because it's easy to continue momentum than it is to try and pick up momentum. Like, even if it is that kick out the door of to get the scenes skydiving going. Yeah. Getting the momentum and dragging the players into a place where they understand what's going on. Like, you're feeding lines, you're feeding scene to them as quick as you can, as engaging as you can to get their own imaginations going. You're essentially jump-starting everyone. Yeah. Jump-starting their brains. Yep. I mean, I really like the idea of... You end at, like, if you end at a natural stopping point, then you need to pick back up five minutes later yeah. in universe. So everyone just, we've decided to retreat and we all made it out of the encounter and retreated. So the next thing that happens in the next session is not you guys just walked away or just ran away, but it's where you have gone next from here. So you guys all, I don't know why, but a bar is what's in my head. <laughs> it's just continuing. You guys, you lost your bar fight and <laughs> you all slipped out the back. So now instead of just saying, you know, that's where you are, I can say, 
just the players I play with, it's it's pretty easy to decide what they would be what they would have been doing in the parking lot. So and so is looking inside of cars to see if anyone has has left any unlocked. Whereas other player, you have now found a crowbar <laughs> and are deciding which car to try to steal. <laughs> that gives them what like from there I have given them you guys are remember you are fleeing this situation and to do so you are be, being the unsavory uh characters you are and <laughs> here's where you go that's that it, it helps when you know exactly what your players would want to be doing cuz if i'm like okay you guys are in a parking lot in middle of the night and you need to get home there, I know at least one of my players would be like, okay, I'm going to try and, you know, steal a car. Because that's just how she is. <laughs> I mean, if you've got a stick, might as well stay with it. Exactly. <laughs> She's the one who uh, electrified herself on the electric fence, uh, trying to skullduggery it. <laughs> okay, that is just simply perfect. So, yeah. Just giving them that where they are next instead of being like okay you guys have been thrown out into the parking lot go (laughs) yeah so many of the players once you've gotten a bit of an idea of what's going on with them is you have an idea of what they're going to do what silly thing that they're going to be pondering this time it's like if i were to start up anything with matu from heroes (laughs) i've got a really good idea of what's going on i've got a pretty good idea of what nima or kith would do a relatively okay idea of what to do with amp but like sometimes your players are going to i have this secondary aspect to my character that i'm wanting to play out and throw you for a loop but then mm-hmm. they're trying to do that they were trying to do that and then you had to end the scene it's like okay yes and there is this battle droid looming over the edge of a private booth looking down as someone falls and there's a gand throwing down a hand to someone saying, come with me if you want to live. (laughs) And you start off from there. Yeah. Uh, Yes. (laughs) Love it. It's, it's really good if you know your, your players well enough and know what, at least what, what will pique their interest to get into the next session. That's a good point. Because if none of your players really care about combat, let's say, then if you guys, finished right after combat instead of being like talking about the combat that much you might want to bring up uh social situations or give them something to do with what they specialize with like you guys are running away from the fight and you come across you you are standing in front of a locked door that is between you and freedom from the people who are chasing after you the door looks incredibly high tech and it's going to need someone who can do a hard computers check or if you really want to risk it someone could probably do a uh, daunting uh, skullduggery check and that's the scene you hear people you hear footsteps coming behind you and now they're like oh okay i know for a fact that i can do something with this because she said computers so i can be like hey i'd like to make that computers check I know what I, as a character, am going to be doing. Absolutely. And, you know, a formidable athletics check. (laughs) Just break (laughs) it down. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's always a chance. Yeah. 
I mean, it really depends on if you have someone like who might be a minotaur with <gasps> like five brawn, you know, just maybe that. Uh-huh. Uh, not obviously not coming from experience. And for some reason, having like three or four ranks in athletics. Yeah. I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> and then trying to like shoulder shove the door, succeeding with threat. <laughs> Got his horn stuck in the door. <laughs> Okay, that one's good, too. What I was just sort of thinking is they're able to overpower the entrance and get in, except they don't actually get overpower the door. The door holds fast. They overpower the wall around the door. <laughs> and now, even if you get away, they're going to know which way you went. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and if you meet the owner of this building again, they are going to ask for damages. <laughs> Unless you can pass a cool check. Very true. Hey, you're the you're the one who ruined my my wall. You owe me the eight hundred dollars it took for me to <laughs> And you're not allowed back in this establishment again. <laughs> oh, I just love that. Yeah. <laughs> I love calling back to characters like that. It's great, especially if it's someone that they've really messed with. You gotta bring him back. Because it's really fun. <laughs> it really, really is. Like, either these super powerful characters or the characters that, yeah, they've messed up. It's like, okay, yeah, now they're coming back for a little bit of maybe revenge or maybe just USGM rubbing their nose in their slight failures. Yeah. Do you really need to rough up all of those street toughs? Obviously. Yeah, that's what Billy keeps telling me. But. <laughs> Pretty much. Any combat-oriented character will say, yes, Yeah, I, I did need to do that. I can't leave any of them standing. <sighs> That's why as the GM, that's when you start being like, and then that person retreated, so you didn't just murder an entire room of people. <laughs> or I'm thinking of the current crop of heroes. They're actually very considerate and don't run everyone down to the ground. Which, that's good. So, like, it's good, but also I'm using all threat that I bank into, yeah, they probably know you're coming. <laughs> I mean, that was the whole thing with yeah, Act 1 of Mask of the Pirate Queen. Yeah, all the people you let go kind of got back to the Pirate Queen, and yeah, she was ready. She knows your names. <laughs> yeah. So, Ben, what are your final thoughts on this topic? My final thought is figure a recap using the giant bullet points of your last session especially the final scene of the last session for getting everyone's feet planted and to give a little bit of a direction for. And using that, create a scene that the players are already in for you to start off with to have any form of NPC interacting with them, whether it's a giant lobster or <laughs> a wrestler that one of your players has become infatuated with. <laughs> and you, Risa? Just reiterating that, you know, bullet points, like you said, and also just momentum. When you start a session, you need to give your players momentum to continue what the story. Otherwise, it will be, it won't be as engaging. And we want everyone to be engaged at the table. On their back, 
Nexu are kind of cute. At least until they wake up with a catnip hangover, I guess. But that will be after the handoff. It's a good thing we're going to be docking soon. I'm pretty sure this Nexu is going to wake up hungry as well as angry. Join us next time on a pouncing tale from the Hydean Way. We can be found on Twitter at the Hydean Way, and I'm at Deuterium Ice. And you can find me at Cookie Kit. We are all at thehydeanway.com, where you can find previous episodes, links to things we talk about in the show, and our live play podcast, Heroes of the Hydean Way. You can find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Plus, you can help us out by reading, reviewing, and subscribing. Drop us a holocom at tales at thehydeanway.com. We're also on Facebook as Tales from the Hydean Way. If you like what we do and want to support the show, you can find us at patreon.com slash thehydeanway. Or you can give us a coffee at ko-fi.com slash thehydeanway.